Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn and I'm here with Matt Leach and this is part of our LA Adobe Max series. Yes, we're actually back in Sydney. Uh, anyone who's been listening knows that we really didn't find the time to do the intros, which seems ridiculous because like what the intro is like a couple of minutes. Yeah. But it just literally we were grabbing people and saying, oh, can we just have a quick conversation? 45 minute conversation. It was a little bit more planned out than that, I'd like to say. Yeah. I was at I was at Sydney Airport drinking a beer thinking, oh, wow, we really need to reach out to some <laughs> of these amazing people. I got a confession because I reached out to Jessica Heesh, who we're very lucky enough to have on. And I was really frantic when I landed in US because I was going through customs and everything. And I had my phone and I got a message from someone and I read it as oh, hey, yes, speak to Jessica. Like, that's that's cool. I'm just check- I'm just following up this inquiry to speak. And I thought it said, speak to Jessica He. So I thought it was someone else talking on her behalf. It was actually Jess who sent me the message. And and so I started talking to her like it wasn't <laughs> Jess. So I was like, I was like, yeah, cool. No worries. I've actually got an email from Jessica as well when I landed. So we're <laughs> sorting it out. Like, it was her PA or something like that. And then it took me a really long time. And then later when I wrote back... Jess and I, we'd organized the first time that ended up changing a thousand times. And before we ended up catching up, and I was writing back to Jess in the, in the text message, thinking it was her PA, and I said, cool, no worries, just spoken to Jess, it's all good. So she must have been on the other side just thinking, who is this lunatic <laughs> talking about me in a really abstract way? So, yeah. That she, was, she might have liked it. Yeah. She's, she's got this virtual PA that she didn't even plan she, for. She didn't even call it out or anything, <laughs> which was, which was you, great. You were a little bit uh, nervous. I was nervous. Well, I th- yeah. I, I really liked at the start, which which we didn't end up recording, but you, you told her that it's just really relaxed like three or four times. Yeah, I'm like, relax, relax, relax. I think I was talking uh, talking to myself. Yeah, there's been quite a few people that I've met throughout my life that I, I guess it's just those people that you've yeah. been looking at for so long when you see them as a person and just uh, especially when they're really nice and down to earth and, and friendly. Which she is. She certainly is and was very, very kind with her time when we're over there. So yeah, I get a little bit, a little bit, a little bit nervous. Yeah, I was as well. She's um, amazing. And, and we actually started the interview off talking about a very awkward time we first met her in an elevator. Before we get in there, obviously, thank you to HP and Adobe for getting us to Adobe Max. Bit of a shout out, actually, all the videos from Adobe Max are now available online. So um, if you hear us talk about it and you're sick of hearing us talk about how great it was, you can go and check out all the videos online, yep. especially from some of the people that we've had on Adam JK's talk. He's yep. up there. Jessica's. Jessica's talk is up there. I mean, there's so many. Um, there's a phenomenal amount of, of talks that are available online. It's all free. Check it out. We need to thank Streamtime, who is our major sponsor. Thank them for their consistent support. They are amazing. Their software is amazing. I've been using it. It's kept everything on track. I thought you were going to say it's amazing as well. I'm it's like, amazing. You need, to, you, need to replace some of those, <laughs> you need to replace some of those words. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's so, it's so great um, for Streamtime to be supporting us and um, if you don't know their stuff, if you're new to the episode, definitely check out uh, streamtime.net. It's amazing. Let's get stuck into the episode. Let's go. We are in LA. We're doing uh, the, our series on Adobe Max, and we are sitting here with the lovely Jessica Heesh, lettering artist, author, a tendency to overshare, and uh, and you like procrastinating working, which yes. is something you said in Sydney and in Brisbane when we saw you there, which was fantastic. Indeed. And you probably don't remember us, but we remember you because we were talking about, we are in the elevator, we were talking about the people we wanted to interview, and we just said your name, and the doors opened, and you walked in, <laughs> and we were like, 
And then we were really weird, I think. <laughs> Must have freaked you out completely. We, we, were just, we were just very silent. Well, I did not. I don't remember you Good. as being weird. So okay, there you go. Maybe I just meet a lot of weird people. Yeah, maybe. Could yeah, be. definitely. We just... Just flew under the radar a little bit. That's good. Well, thank you. And this you. was in Brisbane, right? So maybe yeah. Brisbane's just full of weird people. Yeah, Australia generally. Yeah, I lovely love weird people. Yeah. You guys should know at this point that I'm like a big fan of Australia because I've been like a thousand times. Yeah, you've come, <laughs> you've come quite a few, right? I know. I was talking to a friend today and they were like going to Sydney for the first time. And, and you know, I said, oh, yeah, I love Australia. I think I've been there like six times now. And they were like, what? Yeah. Who goes to Australia six times? Because <laughs> so many creatives, like designers, illustrators, they just n have never come. And so yeah. if we do get them to, to come, everyone kind of loses their mind because... They've yeah. never seen these people yeah. before. Well, whenever I describe it to people, I'm just like, it's like America Plus. It's like if you go, <laughs> you hang out in America, except there's good coffee at gas stations. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's true. And even better coffee at the good coffee house. Yeah. And this yeah. was before all the nonsense that America was going on, and now it's like America Plus Plus Plus. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've got we've got our own problems. We had we had Adam, Adam JK on here before, and he, he knew lots about Australia's problems, yeah. Yeah. especially our immigration laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got on we got onto a good tangent there. But so we're here at Adobe Max and, and yeah, congratulations because your book just got launched today. It did. I have a children's book that uh, launched this very day. So this is this is kind of crazy because well, more for you because it's such a big deal and so much work. <laughs> but for us, you know, what we would normally do is we do a little bit of research. We know a lot about your work already anyway, but we'll kind of do our due diligence and see, you know, what what's happening in Jessica's world that maybe she might want to talk about that might be topical. We're just going through and I was saying, oh, no, the book's not launched yet because I was looking at it yesterday. And then we were looking at it today, and Matt's saying, no, it is launched. Look, it says it's the 16th. And I'm like, no, that must be some time code website thing. <laughs> and if, it's if, just, if I can yeah. find out that Flynn was wrong about something, I like to like bring it up. So. I understand. You now guys must record. have a really healthy relationship. <laughs> now it's on record. I was wrong. It's happened. So let's just start. Like, Tell us about, tell us about this book yeah, and where how, it came how from. How it come about? Sure. So I am a parent. I have two little kids. Uh, at the time where I was inspired for the book, I just had one little kid. She was nine months old or something at the time and we had gotten into bedtime reading mode and I just you know you just consume so many books as a parent mm. if you are a big bedtime reader yep. and, and the same book over and the same and book over, over and over again yeah. oh. and one of the things that I really noticed was that books intended for very small children don't really dive very deep but that this bedtime is a really special moment for adults and kids you know for the parents and kids relationship especially if you're a working parent and I, people are always looking for ways to sort of like spark conversations with their small people and get them to tell them about their day or like find teachable moments and things like that. And bedtime just seemed like the perfect moment for that to happen. Yep. And another thing that inspired it was that I was a horrifyingly insane perfectionist as a kid where I just held myself to like crazy standards and it was all internal. Mm. And I was just so afraid of failure and I still find myself like picking really safe projects and like, you know, doing things that I feel like I know are gonna be successful before I do them. What sort of activities were you doing as a kid that you added stress onto that? Well, you know, <laughs> just if you think about your studies and things like that, like how, you know, some kids, their parents are the ones that are being like an A minus you're better than that whereas like that was all just me saying wow. it to myself and I feel like too there was 
I'm an old millennial, right? Yep. And people make fun of millennials for lots of reasons. Now it's like avocado toast, but at the time it was like participation trophies. And so right. there was this whole thing of just like everyone needs to get a trophy because they participate, not because they're achieving anything. And the, there's this whole push, like if you're going to participate in something, you have to be the best or whatever. And I feel like that can be really toxic for kids that already hold themselves to too high a standard. Mm. And so I wanted to make something that talked about encouraging and, and like encouraged kids to want to be their best but you know also dealt with what happens when you don't achieve your goals and yep. introduces this like idea of self-forgiveness that like failure shouldn't be a thing that you fear and that like you should be rewarded for trying and i know that you know all good parents introduce this to them but it's sort of hard to know when to start having those conversations and a lot of times it's always like a friend or a book or a television show or something that tells you it's like oh now is a good time let's have that conversation because we can mm. we have the touch point for it so so you've done the Silicon Valley fail fast kind of mentality for kids. Well, it's not about fail fast. It's more it's more about the value of trying to achieve things even if you know you'll never be best at them. Yep. And that like that is actually the thing that should be awarded the most versus doing things that you know that you will achieve. Yep. You know. Mm. What was the process like for you? How did it change from, you know, your normal work, I guess? Oh, it was crazy different from my normal work. I had released a previous book uh, called In Progress. That's yep. about my lettering work. And for that, I my whole process had to get turned on its head because I thought that if I was going to be a design bo- as designer releasing a design book about design, that I would be able to basically design it and then fill the design with content. Right. But the way that it worked with the publisher and how it works with any publisher is that I had to submit a manuscript in advance of designing the book and then I had to sort of like spec generally what projects I wanted to have in the book even though I hadn't designed the book I knew my page length but I didn't have my manuscript so it was super intimidating to start as an author and end as the designer Mm. you know it felt like I was being my own client in a lot of ways were, so you a, were you a good client to yourself? I wasn't the best client to myself. But, uh, it's actually what led to the next Yeah, book. yeah. But that process, you know, this idea of needing a manuscript first and mm. then designing for the manuscript, I think was really helpful in making a kid's book because I think a lot of people that come from an art background that think about a kid's book, they think first about a visual and less about the words. And that's why a lot of people don't illustrate or they don't write their own books. They, like, illustrate other people's words mm. uh, because you need something to brainstorm about. And so I had to reverse my process in that I had to do a lot of writing, a thing that I love, but I'm very slow and painstaking at, and I don't have a very honed down process and I'm very hard on myself for, and then design around that and create art around that in a way that normally if, if this were a client project, I would receive the manuscript and then that's where my thinking would start. Whereas having to separate myself and do the manuscript as well was challenging. <laughs> wow. Something else Something else that uh, you've done with this book is, I mean, there's a book, but then there's like the movie of the book. Like you, you, did, this, you did this trailer and the only reason I noticed that there was one except for the going to the website was that you you premiered it somewhere very recently yeah, and you had your yeah. kids on stage and your husband and everything it was awesome my husband wasn't with me but oh. the other collaborators so i worked with an animation right. studio okay. and there's a married couple that have two kids and they run an animation studio alongside a, a few other partners and they came and presented with me awesome. and my daughter was on stage with me and was quite a ham and yeah it was great <laughs> you know and that came about like i i think more more and more books are doing book trailers just because really? they, like the power of video is like mm, so yeah. extreme 
And I wouldn't have had an ambition to make one myself had I not had this pre-existing relationship with Oddfellows, the, the animation studio that I worked with. So I did a logo type for them a couple years ago. And as part of our agreement, they were like, oh, yeah, well, let's do like half barter and half payment. Cool. Uh, and so I just had this <laughs> random like $15,000 in motion stuff just waiting around for the right project. Wow. And then the book came about and I was like, this seems like the right project. Perfect. And that would have been but, a fun one for them to work yeah, on as well. Surely. It was. Yeah. And they, they put in so much more than what my, you know, quote unquote right. budget was. And I'm very grateful for it. And I've made I've joked a little bit too much about how they got the raw end of the deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> where I'm just like, no, guys, I'm really grateful. That was great, you know. <laughs> but yeah, most people don't get like a cell animated 44 second book trailer for like that price. So <laughs> I, I mean, it's so it's so amazing, and I'd love to find out more about how you share assets and all the all sorts of stuff with them. But but also you're creating pins. You're creating like you're creating all these things. Shirts I saw yeah, are coming yeah. out, and even things. Obviously, once you launch the book, you've got you seem to have this kind of plan, like this well, media part plan. Of, part of it is. It's a media plan in a way, but it's more that I'm really self-conscious about constantly just shouting about the same exact thing. Right. You know, like, yes, the book, I'm very proud of it. I'm very excited to share the book, but you can't see me on social media every single week being like, hey, buy my book, hey, buy my book, hey, buy my book. So like me making other things is a way for me to be able to reuse the art, which which I spent time on and I love, and it's yep. always great when you get to see your art in like different formats and yeah. things like that. But also, it gives me an excuse to talk about the book without talking about the book, because I think like people would get so bored and eye rolly and like mm. unfollow me immediately if they were just seeing me be shouting at them to like buy my like book. Like a different page each month. Yeah, for the rest exactly. Of the year. So yeah. I was like, oh, if I make pins, then I can give those to some people and sell them to some people. If I make shirts, yeah. then that's a way for me to say like, hey, I made shirts from the book, and by the way, there's a book. You know? Yeah, cool. <laughs> so. It's fun and it's it Great. keeps it very fresh for me too. You know, it gives me a new thing every month to get excited about because I'm just making new stuff. Hmm. Talking about new stuff, is this the one the first of many? It's probably the worst time to ask. They've just launched it, but well, it yeah, is. Yeah, where's your next book? It's <laughs> definitely the <laughs> first of two. Uh, when I sold it through to Penguin, I sold the uh-huh. book as two books. So they're announcing it internally today. Uh, I don't know when that external announcement happens, but the first book is Tomorrow I'll Be Brave, which is all ways to make yourself better just for you. You know, all things to enrich your life, but that don't really affect other people. Mm. And then the second book is Tomorrow I'll Be Kind, which is all the ways to make yourself better for the benefit of everyone around you. Oh, wow. Wow. So where where did that sort of idea come from? I mean, you talked about the first one, but now seeing them in a bigger context. They developed kind of simultaneously because I when I was researching what words I wanted to focus on mm-hmm. for words of encouragement I actually ended up finding this like MIT list of like positive attributes that was Brilliant. so long and then I made a spreadsheet and like culled it down to like anything that I thought a child would be interested in and I had so many words I had like 15 or 20 words that I thought were all really good and yeah. I was like how do I use all of these And I kept trying to figure out like, oh, is this one just about like physical activity? Is this one Mm. just about, you know, whatever. And what sort of happened was there weren't enough to break it into a lot of different, very specific books, but I saw these sort of two categories. And one was just like general fun activities for, or like, you know, things that make an individual person different and, and is for their own benefit. And then things that really affect how you interact with other people and make other people's lives better, not just your own. And so there were these two sort of master categories and I was like, well, 
these things totally have to work together. You know, like Brave is great on its own, but I feel like the kind book is like a supplement and it's a, a, it's a higher level. The way that it reads, like I've, I've written the manuscript and have the cover and one of the spreads done. It's almost like this secular prayer, you know, where it's all just about aspiring to be a better person. Mm. And then the artwork is very specific. So the, the words themselves are very broad and very lofty. And then the artwork is very much like, how do I be kind to the people in my life? Mm. How, how am I honest and why, is, why does honesty matter? Things like that. And so I think that I really hope that people get a lot of energy out of Brave. I feel like Brave it has this, I'm going to go into the world and take it over vibe. Yeah. And Kind has a very different energy to it, where it's like, I'm going to look around me and see what I can do to be better. Is it, you know? is it pulling on sort of extrovert, introvert qualities? It could, you know, honestly. Because I think that a lot of the qualities in the Kind book are more looking within yourself. Mm. And what I really wanted to do is introduce a lot of those things like kindness, generosity, but not in a way where you're introducing it based on why it's bad to not be that. You know, I think a lot of kids mm-hmm. learn like it's bad to lie, yep. you know, but they don't learn why it's good to be honest. You know, and I wanted to talk to the thing that should drive these behaviors, which is not a fear of punishment. It's just knowing how much good can come from those things. Yeah. Oh, I love that, that you flip flip the negativity on its head and turn it into a positive. A lot of kids experience morality Mm. from the premise of negativity. You know, they they learn to be kind because they learn that it's bad to be mean, but they Mm. don't learn why it's good to be kind. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. More carrot than, sti- than, than stick. Yes. I'm a more <laughs> carrot than stick person in general. Right. <laughs> um, something else that I just have open now, so I just want to talk about. And kind of segues a little bit into how I actually first discovered you, which was the Don't Fear the Internet stuff that you did so long ago, I yeah. guess now. I love that that was your first intro to me. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was sort of sent around. But it was exactly at that time where people were thinking, oh, so now graphic designers can design for the web? Is that, do we have permission to do that now? And that was part of that kind of, that online sort of thing that everybody else is doing it. And it's something that shouldn't be feared. And, and hey, by the way, here's the guy. Yeah, so. I think like so much of that project was about my own feelings of empowerment around mm. learning code and like seeing it as not this like drudgy thing that you have to do in order to like future-proof your career. Right. More of a, a tool that even if you don't plan to be a developer, it helps you communicate with developers and it helps you call people out when they say that something's not possible or whatever it happened to me really recently where i was working with a client and their web designer was like oh we should use google fonts and not typekit which now typekit is adobe fonts but they were like oh we should use google fonts because it's easier to implement with wordpress and i was like this developer is either an idiot or they're very lazy because right. like it's like one line of code that you copy into yeah. it takes like 10 <laughs> minutes like like that's bullshit but yeah. if i didn't know that then i would have to be like oh yeah i guess we have to use google fonts you know but that client that you were working with or whoever you were working with they obviously didn't know that if they passed no, the information no, on not, to you they're not a design person at all like so right. they're you know they're a client they're right. working with me mm. uh, to do you know a visual identity part and then the web designer to put the site together but right. i love knowing so much about web design that I can be like that person just is being lazy yeah. tell them that it's absolutely possible to do that thing that you're asking that's them to nice do. just call them out <laughs> yeah. on their bullshit it's yeah great. exactly yeah, it's great and yeah the, the reason I wanted to talk about that is that the website is beautiful for tomorrow tomorrow I'll be brave and so long ago like you know you, you shared that of your journey you know kind of learning code and everything like now look at this yeah I mean it's so great I, did you 
did you code this up yourself? Did you work with someone? I did all of the updates to the design myself, but I'm working with a template through Shopify. So I knew oh, that cool. eventually I wanted to, you know, sell products for the book on the book site, not just on my own site. Right. And so I set it up through Shopify, knowing that it'll eventually be a shopping site. And but I just don't have a shopping site on it right now, so it's like weird because it's a shopping oh. site without a shopping site. <laughs> but see, so you know how to you know how to nav- navigate all that stuff. But yeah, like yeah. I mean, without the knowledge that I have, I wouldn't be able to make do a lot of the things that happen on the site. Like mm. I was able to sort of like one do tons of like little code updates to move things around and recolorize things and scale mm. images that were coming in too small and that kind of thing. Like even just the book images, there was a max limit set on the size of an image within a certain mm. content block and. And I just went in and was like, I will change that because it should be <laughs> like, no, like there's, no, 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 there isn't. Nope, now there is not that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great. And knowing that it was just like so insanely helpful for just making things real. You know, like mm. I, I wouldn't have wanted to pay someone six grand or 10 grand or whatever it costs to make me a nice website, which is for the book, you know, so. Cool. Now we're here at Max and you've been doing talks. Um, what have you been talking about? Been mainly the book or... The book was a part of the talk for sure. The talk that I gave um, is called Finding Yourself Over and Over Again. And it's really like, I really feel it's important to talk about how different my life has become professionally and personally just over the last few years for various reasons. Kids. You know, when I, yeah, for two various reasons, <laughs> but also other reasons. You know, moving to San Francisco was a huge jump and, yep. and it changed my perception about my work and how many hours I was working. All of a sudden, I was around all these like, growth and disruption people and it made all of my work feel very small and unimportant and it took a while to sort of get back to believing in the work that I was doing again and then with the kids I mean I went through you know obvious easy to understand things like schedule flip the table over and that kind of thing but I also had postpartum for both of my kids and I didn't really know about it until it was like full force mm-hmm. and I was like why do I feel so crazy you know like because it came on really late and it manifested as like insane teenage anxiety that like was looping thoughts all day and oh, like wow. making me not sleep and all this kind of stuff and I feel like as a person that has attended a lot of conferences I feel like y- people don't often get to hear that uh, that side of people because yep. especially with things like kids people love a hero's journey they love to hear about like oh here's like I had a thing and I accomplished it and now I'm better yep. but like with parenting you're like you never get over the, get through the journey. It's like just constant. <laughs> yep. You know, you're just like in the battle forever. And you, you, you kind of, you work out that age that they're at. Yeah, and then they yeah. get older and you're like, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, you know, it's, I know a lot of women that don't want to be the mom on stage and have like their motherhood define them. Yep. And I certainly think that, uh, like, I don't think that motherhood defines me as a person. I think it's a huge part of who I am now, mm. but I don't think it's all of who I am. Uh, but I think it's really important for people to talk about this stuff and whoever wants to can. I want to see more dads on stage. That's mm. my whole thing. I want to hear way more dad stories. I feel like men hardly are they dad, ever... They, surely there are dads on stage that are just not ta- talking about They just don't talk about it. Yeah, there's tons it. of dads on stage. But people don't, you know, talk about it and they don't talk about how their lives have changed as a father. And right. They don't talk about the struggles that they see their partner going through or themselves going through. Mm-hmm. And all I want to do is see that. I feel like people just need a lot more real examples of like what happens when life actually happens as a creative Mm. instead of just living this like forever single 25 year old self that can work 90 hour weeks and 
you know, no regrets, la la. Yeah, yeah. We've we were t- we've been talking about that a little bit. Um, Lauren Hom, yeah. um, we we spoke to her earlier today actually, and she yeah. and she was talking about she recently moved to Detroit and she has a longtime partner now as well, and just saying that even just that has changed from when she was like 25 and single, and I can just work as long as I want. I can dedicate everything just to this, and time doesn't matter. It just means I'll work harder and push yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. It, it's whereas, a huge difference when you're like accountable to other people in your mm. life, and I think that that's why San Francisco was such a huge shift for me because even though I had a partner during that transition and when I was in New York when I went from New York to San Francisco I I wasn't surrounded by a bunch of people who bragged about how busy they were all the time Mm. like I love my New York friends but they all work too hard you know like I see them posting online about how they're taking a vacation for the first time in four years and that kind of thing right and it seems like they want sometimes validation that they've made the right choices like Mm. oh man look how hard you work you're so dedicated to your thing but now like having been removed from that I look at it and go god I'm so sad for you that you like can't figure out how to take time for yourself while still doing things that you feel are right professionally you know so you have a huge body of work and lots of side projects and things like that was there a point in your career where you thought that you were spending too much time yeah, but it wasn't until I was kind of shot out of it without my permission. You and know? was it? And was it moving? It to, was. It moving. really was. It was yeah. moving because, like, it's very easy to be a workaholic in New York because there is this like celebration of workaholism mm. that I feel like is now dying down. I don't know if uh, it's. I can only say that based on my age group, so it might just be like everyone yep. I know is in their thirties now and like is actually like <laughs> taking their weekends slowing off, down like or burning slowing out, down or yeah. burning out exactly. <laughs> or if it's like an overall culture thing, I think yeah. it's a mix of both because I do think that there's this like self care thing that has come yeah. from you know in America, the West Coast, and kind of like eased into all of pop culture and mm. in America, and it's definitely invaded New York as well. But yeah, I mean, I think it was just all too easy to work every night and work on the weekend and not be like not be berated for it. You know what I mean? Like mm. now, it, uh, when I moved to San Francisco, if it was somebody was having a dinner invitation and I was just like, oh, well, I want to work on this thing tonight. They're like, really? I haven't seen you in like two weeks. Come yeah. out to dinner, you know? <laughs> and that would have never been a thing when I was in New York. They'd be like, oh yeah, have fun. What is, what's it about? You know? Yeah. <laughs> And it's all this it's just like, too normal. It's right? too normal. Yeah. And everybody gives you a lot of permission to work all the time if that's what mm. you want to do. And I think it's kind of nice to have people not giving you permission. You know? Nice. Okay. I think I, kids are the first ones to always point out that you've been working too long. This is the thing, though. I'm really happy that I went through this transition with the move before mm. having kids because I think kids would have killed me yeah. otherwise. <laughs> you know, like the transition was softer because I was yeah. already working more regular hours and having much more like midweek social time and not working on the weekends yeah. and things like that. If I had gone from my 80 to 90 hour work week to suddenly a 30 hour work week, I probably would have had a huge identity crisis. And I got to really ease into it by chilling out my work time before having kids. So mm. if anybody is cur- is listening and is currently a workaholic and you're planning to become a parent sometime soon, experiment with not working on the weekends <laughs> for a year before you have kids. Well, well yeah, my, my wife is pregnant, so oh, we're expecting our, our first child in April. Congratulations. Actually, which I haven't spoken about on the podcast at all. So here we go. <gasps> Boom. Yay. So that's why I'm like, I, normally I'd be like, okay, Matt, can we stop talking about kids for everyone that doesn't have kids? <laughs> and now, of course. Yeah. I'm just like, what? Yeah, I, what? Can, I, I know, I want to ask you all these questions, but now like, we'll, just, we'll just bore your podcast audience <laughs> yeah. by being like, when's your due date? Yeah. Oh, blah, 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 yeah. you know? <laughs> but of course, when it's, when it's you, it's yeah. super fun to talk about and yeah, everything. Totally. Our 
good friend, Chris Doyle, mm -hmm. uh, spoke oh, yeah. at a brand new conference very recently, and he said that you were one of the highlights that was there speaking. What was his, what did he mention to me? I can't remember exactly how he mentioned it to me, so I'm just stealing his tweet. He said, Jessica Hayes has the most perfect and real take on both being a parent and designer. So refreshing and reassuring, much applause. For those of us who weren't lucky enough to be in New York for the talk, <laughs> may maybe what's like the quick little takeaway or a quick highlight from that talk that maybe... Well, part of what I, I talked about, the identity work that I've been doing, which is like brand refresh work. And mm -hmm. a lot of that work came about, one, by me trying to find logo work that was not branding work. Because I'm not interested in brand extension and making business cards and brochures and like taking the logo onto everything that a company needs. I'm like not really a graphic designer anymore. Like I've right. become much more of just an illustrator lettering artist. And I still love doing graphic design, but I'm very selective about the projects that I do for it. It's usually my own projects. Mm. And then, so talking about how I came to that by just trying to figure out how to navigate this like super saturated field of lettering now and trying to figure out work that I can do that makes me stand out from other people within lettering. And then also uh, work that I can manage alongside the schedule that I want to keep, which is, you know, to work very regular hours and be around for like every breakfast and, and dinner, you know, mm. if I can. Yeah. And so this branding work, because it is very technical, and it's very much about like me walking through these somewhat predictable steps to just make something better. It's a lot easier for me to manage versus doing something where you're doing a lot of from scratch ideation where you kind of don't really have a handle on the timeline mm. when you start. I have a really clear understanding of my timelines for it. So I talked about that and I talked a lot about how... To a room full of branding people, which I yeah, love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so great. Yeah, exactly. And so I was... And it, it's... It's also like I really like to find work where I feel useful, where like I'm doing something that provides a really clear need. It fills a need. Mm. And that's always been really important to me. Like I don't like to make work that feels like fluffy and useless because I think as graphic designers and artists, a lot of times we like look at the work that we're doing and go, this is going to end up in a waste bin. That's great. Yeah. You know, and that just makes everything that you're working on it. If you have those crisis moments of mental crisis moments, it's really difficult to work on anything because you're yeah. like, oh my God, what is this even doing? I'm like selling cosmetics to teenagers. Great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when you can feel like you're really filling a need with the work that you're doing and also utilizing a really specific skill set that you alone have or like that you and a very small amount of people have that feels very good yeah. you know and so I have so much knowledge about type and lettering and letter form construction and all this stuff and figuring out a way to actually channel that in the most concentrated way uh, that branding work has kind of become that but in the talk, what he's talking about, the balancing of work and life, I was very straightforward. I was like, I basically work 35 hours a week. Like, I don't brag anymore about working 80 hours a week, and I don't strive to do it. I don't feel like I've failed because I am working less. I'm choosing to do this. And I know that this is probably temporary because when my kids are, like, 11, they're going to give zero fucks about me. And then <laughs> I can, like, go on and be a workaholic again. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's just you just realize how everything is a phase. That's like just the, the phrase of parenting. Everything's mm. a phase. And you have to figure out the best way to navigate that phase and make sure that you're doing things that matter to you and that you're really getting the best. Out, you're, you're seeing the best out of the phase, not the worst out of the phase. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to thank you for the work you did for the Should I Work For Free poster and, and everything that came around that and the template for the emails. Um, I teach a lot and, um, and write curriculum and explaining that to students was always quite difficult and you managed to do it in a really simplified way that would just hit the nail on the head. 
How did that come around for you? It usually, like the Should I Work for Free chart came initially from a press request from, I feel like it was like Fastco or something like that. They were just asking a bunch of creatives like, do you think it's okay to do work for free when it's with Lola? And I was just like, oh God, I'm so tired of being asked this question. (laughs) And so I was like, there's a really long answer to this, but I feel like making some sort of visualization would be way more fun. And so I just like kind of wrote it. I made it in Illustrator, but then when I posted online, I was like, I'm going to do this in HTML because I'm in my coding phase of life. And so (laughs) I posted it as that. And it just, it really went in a lot of places. And I feel like it's hard for, sometimes when I'm writing, it's like painful and takes forever and it is such a slog until the very last minute and then all of a sudden I'm like, this is great, you know? And other times it just sort of like blah, 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 just falls out of me. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think it depends on like whatever my level of adrenaline is at that time or something like that. I'm very clear-minded when I'm under a lot of duress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, I had already, I think, written a post about pricing, mm. uh, which is why I got asked in the first place. I, I mm. wrote like a very long form post about called The Dark Art of Pricing, which yep. is about pricing creative projects. And then I made that chart as sort of the lighthearted humor side of it. With the email thing, I feel like people ask me all the time, like, how do you ask for more money? Blah, blah. And I was like, the whole thing is you have to just be very matter of fact. Yep. You have to not make people feel special. Like when you're pricing things or negotiating contracts, no one should feel like you're giving them special treatment. They should feel like this is boilerplate. This is just how you treat all people. Yep. And the only special treatment they could potentially feel is that you're like giving them a deal because you like them or whatever. Yep. It's really easy for them to feel like you're gouging them if you are wishy-washy about your things. So with the email, email thing I struggle all the time with like how to turn down work how to ask you know what's the right language to make people go away or make people stick around and and just trying to give other people that like very very straightforward non-snarky non-mean language of like what happens when someone asks you to do something that's insultingly low but how how can you use that as like a teachable moment as Mm. they say in parenting you know (laughs) where you can actually like that's actually a moment that could really change how they interact with other creatures Creatives, yep. where you come to them and you say, hey, I totally get that you have all the best intentions with what you're trying to achieve through this project, but it's really not great to ask creatives to work for free, even if you don't have a budget. You have to know going into that conversation that what you're asking is bad, yep. and you need to be apologetic about asking them, and then they can choose whether or not they want to break their own rules about it. You know, so... It's really just about like using that opportunity. Every opportunity that we have interacting with clients is a way to educate clients to be better with other creatives in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, you know? yeah. Yeah. I, I always felt like it was always a phase that, that clients would be sort of asking that kind of thing, but it just has never gone away. It's just almost as you train one client, another client pops up yeah. expecting that. So It all depends on what sphere they come from though too. Like one of the things that I've discovered recently sort of like being in the Bay Area and being involved in like more tech stuff where you're around like a lot of extremely affluent people. Rich people are used to getting stuff for free by other rich people. Right. Because when you are independently wealthy or wealthy from another source, it's you're totally fine working for free or for nothing because it's all just like a favor for everyone else. So I think a lot of times like it's not a malicious thing. It's just like they really have no framework of why they should be paid, like be paying people a certain amount. And all that they want to hear from you is like an extremely straightforward, this is an industry standard, this is not me trying to like dig into your deep pockets and get you to pay me lots of yep. money that I don't deserve. You know, and I think that 
that's going to forever happen. You know, there's just always going to be people that are willing to do things for nothing because yep. they don't need the money because they think of it as a hobby or they think of it as like a favor that'll come back at some point or another. And sometimes it can, but if you're doing that, you need to be really conscious of it and let that person know that you're doing it. Mm. Talking more about your illustration work that, that you do, how do, how do you know, I'm always interested how you know when it's done. When the deadline happens. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually like one of the things that brings me back to client work over and over again. Yep. Many people like really want to get away from clients and I'm just like, oh man, but then how would you know when it's done? You just need somebody to say something of like, looks great. And I'm like, great, print it, done, <laughs> over, over with now. <laughs> you know, and I think like part of that is I am a person who thinks that things need to get to a certain level and then once they're in that level, the like last half a percentage to get it to like this super high level sometimes is worth it. If you're talking about a logo, something that's going to be like scaled a million times, printed on everything in the world. Yep. Yes. Like go to 101% on that. But a lot of things are like, you know exactly where it's going to end up. It's going to be printed in a newspaper in shitty quality, or it's going to be an ad on a website for just a second. If you get that to 98%, totally fine. That last 2% of sweat is sometimes not worth it for certain things. And what's, what's the bay? The shipped is better than perfect? Yeah, 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 something like that. Done is better than perfect, yeah. yeah. I think if you can see it in your own tendencies for when you like shop for things in your house. Yep. If you're a person that agonized over the sofa in your living room for like seven months and had like five <laughs> Pinterest boards about it, you probably are a person that has a hard time shipping work. Yep. But if you're a person that just like goes to Ikea and goes, this is the best Ikea couch that is here today. And like pick that sofa because you're like, this works. Uh, you're probably a person that can be really decisive with your work and someone that is comfortable shipping something that in that moment it felt like it was done. Mm. So. You just kind of have to, you have to give yourself decisiveness exercises. <laughs> I like that. I also like the little scale there. You got a little bit of a scale, a little bit of wiggle room. And we probably have time for one more question. Yeah, sure. So I'm just really interested in what, in what's next. Today is a huge day, a big, a big deadline. Sold completed. out, by the way. Yeah, it's yeah. sold I, out here. I thought I'm coming up to birthdays and I thought, what a great, I can get you to sign it. It'll be awesome. Yeah, and no, all sold out. They, they never buy enough books at the Max oh. bookstore. <laughs> Last time I spoke at Max, too, they sold out before my talk, and everybody was like, they don't have enough books. And I was like, not my fault. I don't know how many they order. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some at this... Um, at uh, the event tonight, but I think the event tonight might have sold out. Oh, they've sold out as well. Oh. All right. They actually... Someone told me... The publisher has not told me this, but someone... One of the people that was trying to attend that went to the bookshop earlier told me that they had some major snafu with the books getting delivered and that they had to drive to a different city to go pick up books for the event. Oh, so, wow. so hopefully they have books tonight. <laughs> we'll order one online, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, following in is my question, um, is what's what's next? What's in the pipeline? What sort of projects uh, well, are I'm going to be about? still doing a bunch of client work this year and like taking on the things that feel right and the things where you know it's either right because the people are cool or because the project is just right. But a lot of it's going to be, I'm going to go on a huge book tour. Um, yeah. I saw that. That looks yeah. really cool. That's so fun. So Alaska Airlines is a client of mine, and I asked them if they would want to like sponsor my book tour. So wow. now I'm sponsored by an airline. It's no very way. fancy. That is cool. <laughs> they gave me a bunch of travel vouchers, and now I just have to start booking my flights. But So I'll be touring a while from now until March, and then working on the second book during that time as well. All my files for that are due in January. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that... I can really keep this kids book thing going. I have other ideas for manuscripts, but they're not fleshed out yet. And I'm hoping that I can get on sort of a schedule where I'm releasing a book 
not every year, but maybe every other year. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be like kind of a combination of working on book stuff, taking on the client projects that really stoke my fire, and I'm moving studios uh, sometime about you know a year from now. That's a big job. And I'm gonna be <laughs> opening a retail store as a part of it. Oh wow. Whoa. Yeah. So my new studio space is uh, there's a retail presence on the bottom. And so I'm going to make one of them into actually a retail shop. That is wow. super cool. How exciting. So, yeah. you get, so you're thinking, playing with fitting it out, what's it going to look yeah, like? Yeah, sort of like, what do I want it to be? Yeah. I, I think it's probably going to end up being sort of like a kid-friendly store of art art and prints and pins and all kinds and books and all mm. kinds of stuff. But, you know, one of those shops that has kid things, but also adults are like, I would like these too. Yeah. So. Right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like your book. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you guys this so is, much. This is really pleasant. This has been awesome. really great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hope it was nice and chill. Yeah, totally. Very chill. And so where can people find the book we've been talking about for so much? Uh, according to my publisher, everywhere books are sold. Everywhere. Uh, <laughs> except for the bookstore around there and you except, can't get it from Adobe Max. Adobe Max right now. Yeah. But yeah, they should be, they should be hitting local bookstores really soon. Uh, internationally, I think there might be uh, a little bit of a delay with the publication date but it should be out by like early november or something like that in a lot of uh european and other countries so yeah hopefully many places and we always ask uh, where can people find out more about your work what's the best url to send uh, people to the best url to send people to is probably my website url but also the social media so my website is jessicahish.is and then slash whatever you feel like typing uh dot uh slash awesome slash awesome my, i think is the default. home yeah, yeah that's i like my it homepage. yeah and then on social media i'm just jessica hish on instagram or twitter thank you so much um and matt where can people find you uh instagram matt underscore leech cool i'm at flynn tracy on everything and you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com and you can follow the show on twitter instagram and soundcloud at ausdesignradio thanks jessica thank you so thanks, much guys.